As the weather gets cooler, those creepy crawly little bugs are probably starting to hide deep in the litter of your coops and barns. That's why we use First Saturday Lime in all of our animal enclosures and in our gardens. First Saturday Lime is the strongest and safest pesticide alternative on the market. It will not burn you or your animals, yet is strong enough to repel insects and dry up their eggs and larvae. First Saturday Lime can also be used to freshen up your coops and barns. It soaks up the stink and helps extend the time between cleanup. So go to FirstSaturdayLime.com and sign up for their monthly subscription so you never run out. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking today? So I just opened a Stillwater Artisanal ASMR. ASMR. Is that like the the creepy talking people do on the internet? It is. Stop it! (laughs) (laughs) You actually have a really good ASMR like voice, but it makes me have murder in my heart. Ooh. (laughs) It's not like I've heard that one out of anybody's mouth today or anything. But (laughs) I don't know what it is. But it, it makes me really uncomfortable. I could see that. Well, because it's kind of like it's kind of like tickling the inside of your ears with sound. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's exactly it. So and some people like that and some people just don't. It turns out Sam is not an ASMR person. No, <laughs> I am not. If people don't know what that is, it is basically what Bev did in the microphone and You'll you'll have to let us know in the Facebook group if, if you're a fan of it or not. <laughs> yeah. So this ASMR is a sour ale brewed with chamomile, lemon, and wildflower honey. Oh, that sounds really good, though. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. So what did you open over there? So I opened a Be Well Mead, and it is Antrim Apple Pie. Mm. And Be Well Mead is located in Bel Air, Michigan. Nice local one. Yes. And it's got local apples, vanilla bean um, from Madagascar, cinnamon from Sri Lanka, and honey from Antrim County, Michigan. Nice. Yes, yes. Our drink sponsor in this episode is our friend Natalie Quist, which is at Cloud Lover Fiber over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. So we both have gotten our Henny and Rue boxes for the month of September. So we want to share those with you in a audio version of unboxing in our Henny and Rue corner. So Bev, what was your favorite thing in the September box? So my favorite thing in the box was the Hen and Rooster coasters. They're these cute little cork coasters. They're absorbent. They're perfect for my desk. 
because I'm constantly getting like condensation trapped under things on it. So that's where I put them. And I was really excited because they got chickens on them. I mean, protect surfaces and has chickens. It's perfect. I mean, dual purpose, right? (laughs) Exactly. What was your favorite thing this month? So my favorite thing this month was the Henny and Rue logo water bottle because I just really fail at drinking water. I'm really good at drinking coffee. I'm really good at drinking adult beverages in the summer while I'm working, but I kind of suck at drinking water. So another thing that I have issues with is like, I'll get these really cool water bottles and then I'll like, I'll lose the cap of them. (laughs) Yeah. uh (laughs) Or like I have like a pile of them in a cabinet and I don't know which ones go to which at this point. So it's really like I should just declare bankruptcy on my water bottles and get rid of them all and start over. <laughs> but now that I have this one, I really like like the mouth on it is like a good size. And I actually drank like three or four bottles of water yesterday while I was working because of it. So like I like it because it's making me at least try to be a little more hydrated and it's pretty cute. I like it. That's awesome. I have a fix for your water bottle problem. Ditch all of them and buy all of your water bottles as the same brand. That's what I did. And so, oh, like, so I only use Hydro Flasks so I can grab any of the lids and they work. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> so, we also got a Farmer's Helper Forage Cake, which is this just super cool, like, cake of things that your chickens want to eat. It's got like salmon meal and dried fruits and seeds and grains and all sorts of stuff and it's pressed into a cute little cake and my chickens are going to go crazy for it when I give it to them. We also got flax seeds which is something you can actually add to your feed to increase the level of omega-3 fatty acids in the eggs. So it's pretty dang fancy. And we got a vanilla fly repellent um it's just like it's like one of those things that like hangs in your car mirror it's just like that but it's got a picture of a chicken on it it smells yummy like vanilla and it keeps the flies away so that's going to go up in my little cutest coop because it's the perfect size for a repellent that size to keep the flies away yeah mine i have one of those up in my coop already but i think it's been ineffective for a little bit now so I like actually squealed when I saw it in the box this month because I was like I needed one of these so I was super excited about that one too and she always knows I feel like Tina knows she's like a uh, chicken fairy godmother yes (laughs) when we're out of things (laughs) but she also blends it in with a mix of new things too like it's really magical we also got blue coat, um, which is like a staple for poultry owners. Um, it's a first aid kit uh, item that you're going to want to keep on hand because if there are minor injuries in your flock, it's a great way to prevent pecking because it, it literally turns things blue, including your hands if your aim isn't super great. Um, but it also helps prevent infection and yucky stuff like that. And we got a poultry treat sample um, from Small Pet Select, uh, which is a small company serving pet owners with natural, safe, and high-nutrient products. 
So yeah, and of course we also got a nesting box liner that comes in every box, and you can use it with your big girl hens and roos. Well, I guess it would be big boy roos, but you know what I mean. You don't want to put it in with your babies. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we also got an October sneak peek. Um, so in the October box, one of the things you'll be receiving is a little uh, poultry first aid kit that's got a variety of things that you'll want to keep handy. And then also not listed in the box card that comes with every box that explains everything that you get. I saw on Instagram that the caramels will be in the October box. That's right. And I yes. never share the caramels. They're all for me. Because they're so yucky, you wouldn't want to give them to your kids, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they are so dang delicious. And if you haven't heard us talk about these caramels before, um, they'll change your life. At least yes. that's how I feel about them. So you want to make sure that you're signed up to get the October box, just like specifically because of those caramels. And it'd be handy to have that poultry first aid kit on there too. Uh, but you can go to honeyandroot.com. And if you want to get 10% off your first box, which why wouldn't you use code drink and farm. All right. So now it's time to dive into our episode this week. Yes. Yes. And both of our adult beverages are on theme for today's episode. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are. So uh, apparently it's National Honey Month. And I didn't know that until the day before we decided to record this. So I thought it would be super fun. And Bev agreed. Uh, we're going to talk about honeybees because we haven't talked about that really before. And I I keep on saying, like, I'm going to get into this next year. And, like, the, the list is growing really long. But honeybees is on that list. And I think that is one of the things my husband's actually on board with. So we might be able to actually make that a reality next year. Um, so I, I'm just kind of a little excited to talk about that for that reason as well. Yeah. So in today's episode, what we're going to talk about regarding honeybees is just some really fun facts about them. Yeah. And we'll do a future episode someday about like how to actually get started with taking care of honeybees. And it'll probably be when one of us does it. Yeah. Likely. Or is like starting to ramp up to do it. Um, but for now, fun, fast facts just so that... You can start honeybee dreaming also if you're not honeybee dreaming already. Yeah. And I guess we have talked about bees before. And it was for the Rotten episode that talked about honey. Oh, that's like right. Okay. All the, the like pureness of honey and how honey can taste different from different regions of the world or even like different places in a city it can taste different. Um, and we also talked about how they would like move bees around and like help with the almond trees in California to pollinate them. Um, there was some drama over that too. That's right. So we'll make sure to uh, put that link to that episode that we recorded. So you guys would be able to go back and listen to that if you haven't before. Um, but anyways, let's kick it off by talking about some of those fun facts from AmericanBeeJournal.com. Um, and I didn't really realize this one, Bev. Maybe it kind of feels like common sense once I read it. But the honeybee is the only insect that produces food eaten by man. That's pretty hilarious when you think about it. Yeah. And, and now when we're saying like 
produces food eaten by man, we're saying that it's like an excrement of some kind from the insect because there are cultures out there that eat insects like as a regular part of their diet. So obviously in those cultures, they use bugs for protein, but you can't harvest anything else from those bugs except their bodies i suppose that was a really weird way to put this this just went in a strange direction <laughs> well i wasn't like, intending it to but <laughs> well when i read that i was like well that can't be true and then i was like thinking well no like eating a bug doesn't count at all oh okay because like when i when i was in the jungles of belize when i did study abroad <laughs> i ate a termite and it tasted minty because it tastes like whatever it's been eating oh. um, so in my mind i was like that's food and i'm like well actually no that's not what this is getting at um it didn't like create food and go on living <laughs> like yes, once it was yeah. in my mouth it was dead <laughs> Yeah, like chickens give us eggs, cows and goats give us milk, Yeah, honeybees give us honey, and they all get to survive and thrive while we get to harvest those things from them. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Um, A honeybee can fly up to six miles and as fast as 15 miles per hour. Um, It would be able to fly around 90,000 miles, which is three times around the globe, to make one pound of honey. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like So don't waste honey. It takes a lot of work to make it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those excrements, man, they're not easy to come by. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> and uh speaking of how far they have to fly to actually collect that honey, it takes one ounce of honey to fuel a bee's flight around the world. So just Whoa. one ounce. That's not a lot of honey when you think of how far that is. No, it's like, it's just, they're so small but mighty. They're little yeah. badasses, really. <laughs> and honey is 80% sugars and 20% water, which is probably why it's so darn delicious. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. <laughs> And the way that honeybees produce beeswax is from eight paired glands that are on the underside of their abdomen. And I'm thinking like eight paired glands. I'm like, is that like, like honeybee teats? (laughs) Or like, does it like a honeybee have like a little eight pack? Like it's been working out at the gym. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's like the visual I get over nipples. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could see that. Well, I'm like imagining a honeybee like landing and it's got this like eight pack on the bottom and then it just like squeezes out a little bit of of beeswax like wherever it landed. I don't know. <laughs> you can tell I don't have bees. I don't know how bees work. <laughs> I don't know how bees work either other than I usually try to identify rather quickly if the thing buzzing around me is a honeybee or not. So if I try to kill it, I don't feel bad because I never want to kill a honeybee. But like when something's buzzing around you, it can be pretty intimidating if you if you're not a fan of bees or wasps. Yeah. Wasps are the bad guys. They are. I've been getting better about not caring about the flying around things though, because I'm from the desert. We didn't really have a lot of like 
flying bugs that bothered us too much, except during monsoon season, there were mosquitoes, of course, because there's mosquitoes everywhere now. Um, but the bees and the wasps used to really terrify me. Now I just leave them alone and work around them and try not to just, you know, like disturb them. They tend to leave me alone. So I did get stung in the back of the neck by a wasp this summer, and I was not happy about that. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's right. Not good. So... Honeybees must consume about 17 to 20 pounds of honey to be able to biochemically produce each pound of beeswax. So one pound of beeswax equals 17 to 20 pounds of honey. Wow. I don't know. I feel like I'd rather have the honey. Yeah. Yeah. But wow. These guys are just, they're so cool. They are. (laughs) I'm like fangirling over honeybees. Uh, bees also maintain a temperature of 92 to 93 degrees Fahrenheit in their central brood nest, regardless of whether the temperature outside is 110 degrees or negative 40 degrees. That's pretty crazy. They must generate heat like with their wings and bodies and their buzzing like because, you know, that generates energy. So that's pretty cool. But even if it's like hotter than that, like they're keeping it cool. So like their bodies are like central HVAC like systems. That's pretty neat. Yeah. And a populous colony of honeybees may contain 40 thousand to sixty thousand bees during the late spring or early summer which is just an unfathomable number of bees like i'm trying to picture that in my head it's it's incredible i can only picture it like if it was a cartoon and like the bees were making shapes around bugs bunny or something (laughs) like that's the only way i can visualize it so i can visualize it because have you ever had a swarm fly over I don't think so. Yeah, the spring before we actually moved here, uh, I was outside working with Aurora, and um, we saw like this black cloud kind of in the distance, and then I could hear them, and I was like, <gasps> I was like, go inside, and we like ran inside and watched it from the sliding glass door like go by, but it was kind of an incredible sight. I don't know where they ended up, but we watched them fly all the way across the backyard turn over the pasture and then head towards the woods. So they must have found something eventually. Wow. But I wanted to run inside because I didn't want to be in the way. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't want to be the thing that they decide they want to land on. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just like, I thought that was smart. <laughs> yeah. The queen bee lives for about two to three years, and she is busiest in the summer months when the hive needs to be at its maximum strength, and she lays up to 2,500 eggs a day. Ooh. What a a job. Gosh. (laughs) And the queen may mate with up to 17 drones over a one to two day period of mating. So they're not very, uh, what sort I'm looking for? Monogamous. No. (laughs) I was going to say celibate. That's really wrong. (laughs) You know, this is making me like, you know how people will be like, oh, she's a queen bee. Now I'm not sure if I want to be called that. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of a badass, but also, you know, not into monogamy. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> and it's also interesting that her daily egg production can equal her own weights. Like, yeah. that's kind of a lot when you think about it. Like, I'm imagining, you know, like, okay, so like my body weight, imagine like producing something equal to my body weight every day. Like, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of work. <laughs> but she is constantly fed and groomed by attendant worker bees. So it sounds like she's waited on hand and foot. I mean, fair enough. If I just had to hang out in one of those lounge chairs while people <laughs> fed and fans me, I could probably produce my body weight in something. I don't know what people would want to harvest from me. But anyways, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> and worker honeybees live for about four weeks in the spring or summer, but up to six months during the winter. So that queen bee has some longevity compared to some of the worker bees. Oh, well, that makes sense. They're working hard, right? Mm-hmm. And the average honeybee will only make one twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in its lifetime. Whoa. So every time you're using one teaspoon of honey you're using the entire honey production from the lifetime of 12 bees. That's amazing. Yes. And that is why honeybees are so important because they need their numbers. Yeah. Honeybees also can fly up to 15 miles per hour, which I think we already mentioned, but it's worth mentioning again in case you missed it. <laughs> because, like, guys, that's pretty fast. Like, I can't, I don't think humans run that fast. Like, that's pretty uh, damn fast. No, no, I don't think that they do. It was so important the article listed it twice. I mean. Yes. So it had to be repeated. Yes. <laughs> and the honeybee's wings stroke 11,400 times per an hour, which is the, which is that motion is what makes their distinctive buzzing sound. How exhausting. Gosh. I'm tired (laughs) just thinking about it. Yeah, I know, right? A honeybee visits 50 to 100 flowers during a collection trip. So that's why it's super important that if you have the space and the desire, like make a little a little wildflower area for the bees, a little pollinator garden for them, because that's just going to make their life a little easier if they have a lush area to collect for their trip yeah. to the hive. Well, and one of the things I've done in my garden, and I was actually really happy with how this turned out, I did an herb garden that Mm. had nasturtiums mixed into it. So when everything was in full bloom, the bees had thyme, they had the flowers on the oregano, they had the nasturtiums, they had the flowers on the basil, and the flowers from uh, from the tomato plants all to visit at the same time and then they went through and I had green beans on the other side and they went through and did the green bean flowers too so I just like had so many things to choose from in one little area nice and honeybees are scientifically known as apis mellifera I think I pronounced that right I I probably should have googled that okay you nailed it that's close at least And they are environmentally friendly and are vital as pollinators. So, and you know, 
so we took this from what was it the American honeybee society mm-hmm. or whatever um, I have heard some stuff that some honeybees do attack some other native pollinators so there are some things out there that you know like honeybees aren't the end all be all of pollination there's a lot of of native pollinators out there that are really important too so I don't want this to overshadow that mm-hmm. um, but honeybees produce honey so that's why we want to keep them around too yes And fermented honey, also known as mead, is the most ancient fermented beverage. The term honeymoon originated with the Norse practice of consuming large quantities of mead during the first month of marriage. I wish I would have consumed large quantities of mead during the first month of marriage. Yeah. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I consumed a decent amount of something during that month because I didn't have to watch the wedding wait anymore. Uh, but it was not mead. <laughs> I was sober my entire first month of marriage because I was pregnant. Oh, yeah. Yes. So you did the responsible thing. I did the responsible yeah. thing. Yes. But I thought that was really interesting that that was where the term honeymoon came from. Because yeah, that's too. kind of hilarious. And I love mead. It's one of my favorite beverages. It's one of the earliest beverages that I ever consumed that was alcoholic. Because I used to work at Ren Fair. Oh, so yeah. like mead was a big thing at the Renaissance Festival. Oh, yes. So. I think that's the first place that I ever had mead was the Renaissance Festival. And then I was like, this is wonderful. Why don't I drink it more often? <laughs> it's very delightful. If you yes. like honey, you will like mead. Yes. <laughs> so that's it for our honeybee tribute for the day. Yeah. I thought that was fun. Yeah. Some fun facts. And like Bev said, like once one of us is actually going to go through with a honey beekeeping uh we'll do some more like how-to type things but I'm still deciding on what kind of setup I want so depending on the setup that I want will depend on the level of hands-on-ness that I will need to participate in um because there's there's a few different routes you can take and the one I'm looking at would be the most convenient, but it is pretty expensive. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, so here's the thing that or here's the point that I'm at in my farming venture. I almost need everything new to be as convenient as possible. Because yeah. otherwise I just am not going to be able to get around to it. Because there are only so many hours in the day. And I love everything that I do here. And I love the hands-on and learning how to actually do things like in the way that it was originally done. But I don't think that you have to continue to do that if it doesn't fit in your lifestyle. Like there's something to be had for having those skills. But like we have technology. So I'm pretty into that too. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now it's time for We Can't Even Corner. Woohoo! Uh, so, Bev, uh, what can't you even about this week? So, I can't believe that a miracle calf survived a California wildfire. Aww. Yes, I saw this and I was like, this is feel good. And we can talk about the devastation that's happening on the west coast briefly it's insane 
Um, I grew up in Joshua Tree, California, which is in San Bernardino County. And there's actually a huge fire burning in San Bernardino County right now. Also, mm. it was started by a gender reveal party in Yucaipa. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> which is just... It's just so first world problem cause of fire, in my opinion. <laughs> yes. Yes, it certainly is. And um, and my dad, my dad lives in Oregon and he oh, yeah. um, also so he he has a, a like a full time job also. But in addition to that, he does the telecommunications uh, setup for wildfires and he's done this for like for forever like for as long as i can remember he's like one of the guys that flies in in the helicopters and like goes up to the highest point and they set up all the towers that they need to like do the coordination effort for the fire and i'm pretty sure i got that right uh my stepmom will correct me later if i didn't get all of that information (laughs) right but he's always done that so i've been wondering what fire he's working on right now but he's definitely working on one of the fires it's it's insane. I think this is the first year that there have been that many fires on the West Coast mm-hmm. burning at the rate that they are burning. There's been tons of evacuations and tons of there's been some deaths. Um, mm-hmm. There's been a lot of property destroyed. So um, if anyone uh, wants to help, there are tons of organizations out there helping with that. So I'll start with that. But now let's talk about our miracle calf because it's such a feel good story. I yeah. want to share it. <laughs> So um, the the like subheading is a newborn calf that survived a California wildfire offers hope to us all just when we really need it. Mm. And it's totally true. The picture in the article, I got the article from uh, agriculture.com and it's just this little black calf sitting in the middle of what is a completely charred field. Everything around her is burnt to a crisp, and she's just sitting there in this little patch. So Hmm. um, I'll read part of the article. It says, California is going through a horrible fire season. Homeowners, farmers, and ranchers are suffering terrible losses. But even in the middle of a disaster like this, glimmers of hope can be found. The Marsh Fire began August 16th when thousands of lightning strikes started fires near Milpitas, California, including on the ranch run by Dave and Samantha Cascarini. Dave manages 12,000 acres of steep, rough terrain and 500 head of cattle, and Samantha Cascarini works full-time as a registered veterinary technician in addition to working on the ranch and being mom to her two kids. With that many cattle over such a large area, the couple decided to split up to move those in danger to safer areas. And she said, we had 45 pairs trapped with flames coming towards them. Cal Fire called and said, if we wanted to save the cows, there might be time. So that's what we did. And she asked one of her neighbors, a horse trainer, to bring shovels and rope and come help her with some cattle. And the um, luckily, her neighbor actually had some experience uh, managing uh cattle on a ranch so like she was super familiar with what to do and the area that they were working in so uh cascarini drove her four-wheeler to the cattle and found a tiny newborn calf lying on a patch of wet grass in the middle of a burned pasture and she said she was shocked when i picked her up she was still covered in afterbirth and the ground was wet from the calving so that explains the area around her the ground was wet from the calving so it didn't burn. 
Um, her eyelashes were burned and they could not believe that she actually survived it. So she put her on the four wheeler and moved her to safety. And they were really concerned about her because her first breath of air was smoke and she was only minutes old and a fire just burned right over top of her. So um, one of the reasons why the calf survived the fire was because the fires that burn in those area, because the brush is so low, the fires burn really low to the ground. So it wasn't like, you know, you see on the news, those huge wildfires with like flames that are stories tall. That's not mm-hmm. what happens in this area. They're really oh. short burning fires. So they're still really dangerous. Like you don't want to stand in the yeah. middle of one, obviously, yeah. and the smoke and everything would kill you. Um, but they burn so low to the ground. So they just like they go really fast over the brush and then they're gone. Everything behind hmm. them is charred black. So it's kind of interesting. So they actually got to keep this calf. Uh, they're going to raise her just as a pet. And her name is, I'm assuming her name is Charlene, but I'm wondering if they're going to call her Charlene, you know, for Char, because she survived a fire. Oh, it took me a minute. <laughs> I like that. That Yeah. That's really cute. So there'll be a link in the show notes to this article. There's tons more information on like how they moved the cows and what they did to escape the fire. It's super fascinating. Like they herded these cattle into water and then they stood in the water with the cattle while the fire passed, which is just crazy and incredibly dangerous. But these are the lengths that people are going through to save their animals at a time when like it just this awful fire is burning. Well, that was a that was a nice story for for that situation. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is your can't even this week? Um mine <laughs> mine is not uh as heartwarming <laughs> as yours. I'll say that. Um, and I'll just I'll just drop you guys with the headline. So the headline is Jacksboro woman seen chewing on horse's mane charged with public intoxication. <laughs> what would what would possess you to think that chewing on a horse's mane is a good idea? Meth. Meth would. Possess oh, you. gosh. <laughs> That'll do it. Oh, my gosh. I, I was expecting you to say alcohol. I did not no. think this was a meth story. <laughs> meth is a hell of a drug, Bev. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, it is. <laughs> so Cynthia Teeple was spotted at a home on Summers Road in La Florette last month, according to the Campbell County Sheriff's Office. Um, according to the report, Teeple was seen shirtless. This is a female. Shirtless, eating grass and dirt from the horse enclosure and chewing on the horse's mane near its head. WLAF said she told the deputy the horse's hair is made of Laffy Taffy and airhead candy. Weird. The deputy said she didn't know where she was and admitted to taking meth the day before. And she was taken into custody. So, short and sweet. <laughs> no huh. pun intended with a Laffy Taffy there. Well, I hope she gets the help she needs. That's terrible. Yeah, yeah. It just don't do drugs, kids. Yeah. And adults, you know, if if you can avoid it. Yeah. For but sure. could you imagine like if you came home and somebody was like in the pasture with purse 
and Herc and like and and Jupe and like gnawing on their hair because they're high and they think that it's candy. Like, what would you even like? I don't even know what I would do. What a situation. Yeah, that would be it would be super weird. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what I would do. I'd probably ask them what they were doing. And if they didn't have a weapon, just ask them to leave. (laughs) (laughs) And they might listen. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I'd be a little confused because we live pretty far out. So if someone just showed up here, it'd be super random. They like walked super far to get here. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. They would have to go like if they were walking, they'll just like have to go up your long ass tall driveway. (laughs) To, the, to get to Candyland. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. But yes, I hope that she gets the help that she needs. I would think something like that might be a wake-up call, but who knows? Yeah, it's hard to say for sure, um, but that's super weird. I'd be, I'm still imagining what that would be like to come home to. It's... <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something else. Yeah. Well... Be sure and send us your can't evens. You can post them in our Facebook group or send them to us via Facebook Messenger, Instagram, or email them to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. I didn't finish that all the way. Drinkandfarm at gmail.com. That's our email address. Uh, we read them on our mini sods. So we like to talk about what you guys can't even about too. And be sure to leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. We read one review each week. If you don't have an Apple product, that's okay. You can download iTunes onto your laptop. Um, we will take the re- a review, the reviews that we read over the course of a month, draw a name from a hat, and that person that we pick will win an exclusive coffee mug that is not and will never be in the shop. So make sure you leave your Instagram handle or something in the review so we can quickly find you. Um, but Bev, do you want to read this week's review? Sure. So this week's review is titled, You're Doing Amazing, Sweetie. (laughs) And I just love that title. I told somebody that at work (laughs) this week, and it made me think of this review. Yes. (laughs) And this review was left by Annoyed Social Worker on Apple Podcasts. I love her name. It's the best. Me too. And she says, I discovered this podcast a few months ago, and it is no exaggeration that it has changed my life. Part of what makes this podcast so great is that neither Bev nor Sam is an expert and they don't try to pretend they are. Instead, they research the topics they talk about and provide sources, present the information and add some personal experience of relevance and provide corrections as needed. I've learned so much about so many different farm-related things that I never would have even considered relevant. And the episodes are so entertaining that I'll listen to episodes about gross goat diseases even when I have no intention of getting goats. (laughs) (laughs) each episode feels like a huge pep talk even when I feel like I'm doing everything wrong and making so many mistakes oh yeah oh I love this review so much yeah I do too and this is exactly what we were going for when we started the show so to like see someone else like write down what our vision was just like it's motivating it makes me feel like we're doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> Even when sometimes we feel like we're not. <laughs> right. Or we're like, what are we going to talk about this week? Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> we're, it's, it's Friday and we don't know what we're going to talk about. Like, yeah, sometimes it, 
it can get a little chaotic with everything else going on. So that's why we love when you guys leave us these reviews and say such nice things. I do feel like it's kind of like a selfish thing that I enjoy it so much. But the feedback is helpful and lets us know that you guys want us to keep going. Yeah, exactly. So as a reminder, this episode's outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps. So check out patreon.com slash drinkandfarm. We have all kinds of fun things up there, and you can become a Patreon starting out at $2 a month. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon yet, please go do it. We're only $30 a month away from a stretch goal that we've had on Patreon for a while. So go check that out at patreon.com slash drinkandfarm. And if you feel so inclined to support the show, you can do that through Patreon and get some pretty cool, fun extras and surprises. Uh as you do it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And Drinkin' Farm has a phone number now. The phone number is 401-426-3276, which is also 401-426-FARM, so kind of easy to remember. But we'll have it in the show notes for you guys. It's on our website. If you ever want to call and leave us a voicemail, we would love that. Um, You can leave us your farm story. You can ask us questions. You can leave your can't-evens on there. so if you, you don't want to type up your form story, you can give us a call, leave a voicemail, and we'll play those on our mini-sodes. Uh, we obviously will take things in written form as well. Yes, and be sure and hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen, because this helps more people like you find the podcast. And do us a favor and share this episode over on Instagram in your stories. Make sure you tag at Drink and Farm. And you can actually like find the post for this episode and just share that in your stories if that's easier. Um, And when you share that information with your followers, we're going to send you a promo code just for that episode to give you a percentage off in the shop, which trust me, you want because we have so many cute new things in the shop. Yes, we just did a huge update. I love it. I'm so excited about it. And we're doing another one soon, too. So, yeah. Yes, yes. So make sure you take a look at the show notes to find links to the articles we discussed, a survey to tell us how we're doing, and all of our social media goodness and our merch shop. So that's it, guys. That's it. We hope you enjoyed. We hope you can celebrate Honey Month with mead or honey or any other fun beekeeping product out there um and save the bees Woo! (laughs) and until next time drink farm and give zero clucks bye guys bye we drink things we farm things